Life is hectic, so wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with Factor's chef-crafted and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. With over 35 options a week, including keto, calorie smart, vegan and veggie, and more, they've got a variety that fits your lifestyle. Factor has restaurant-quality meals ready to heat and eat in just two minutes. They also have various easy options for the entire day, from breakfast to midday bites, smoothies, and more. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is a nutritious and delicious experience, and it won't break the bank. You can customize your meals by choosing 6 to 18 per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule deliveries anytime to fit your schedule. Factor meals are 100% hassle-free, giving you more time for what matters. Head to factormeals.com slash otherside50 and use the code otherside50 to get 50% off. That's code otherside50 at factormeals.com for 50% off your delicious, hassle-free meals. Hi. In December of 2010, I suffered from complex autoimmunity gone awry when doctors unknowingly gave me a medication that impacted my liver. At that time, we already knew my lungs and my kidneys were compromised. By missing the liver, the medication, which would have otherwise been entirely benign, ended up compromising the whole system. Because the liver was so far gone, it took the kidneys and liver and lungs in unison. And from that, per my medical records, I fell, there was a traumatic brain injury, the combination of systemic organ failure, the hit to the head, led to an automatic coma. I was helicoptered to John Hopkins Hospital where I went into my near-death experience. So for me, my consciousness begins leaving the body in ICU. And this is where I begin to observe what in the beginning felt like a lucid dream. I had been having those for a very long time. And so it was curious to me that I could see this person on the table and there was some interest and curiosity and familiarity, but I was much more entranced by what was happening in the room. I've said this many times, yet I stick with it because as a child of the 90s, it felt this way. As I was observing it in this dreamlike state, it looked as if I was watching an episode of The X-Files. I was seeing persons in hazmat suits, which was foreign to me at the time. The world has since changed, obviously. Yet, I was watching this curious as to why these people were wearing all this protective gear, who was this person, why were they trying to save them? At some point, this consciousness, which at this point, I do not realize it's me, I'm just feeling and experiencing it through my senses. I realize looking down that the person on the table is actually me. Now at this point, per my understanding and my intuition, I wasn't fully separated from the human, from the body. And so there was some identification and knowing of the human and wanting to take care of the body and return to the soma. And yet at the same time, there was this magnetic gravitational like pull to the other side. And that is ultimately what anchored me. And I pivoted from this very human scene very, very rapidly through the what to me appeared like the atmosphere into the sky or the stars or the cosmos. And that is how the other side appeared to me. It was light, 
It was vibration. It was felt sense. It was the most abundant, beautiful love I had ever experienced. And unfortunately, as a human, it was a love that I often had not known. Imagine taking the love a mother or father have for their newborn baby and turning up the dial ineffably, at least a thousand times beyond the way we attach to a newborn. That would be the love that I felt from the energies that I encountered. When I initially got there, I was pulled into these three lights, trifecta of beauty. And they were, to me, a ruby tone, an amethyst gem tone, and what I would describe as an emerald as well. And these lights were so familiar to me. It was as if I were participating in a cosmic familial reunion. The light knew me and I knew it. And for the first time, I really felt seen and validated. To me, on the other side, there were aspects of my consciousness that are still with me and embodied. They were the same there as they are here. That might be because I was in a comatose state and not entirely dead. I don't know. What I do know is that I was very much me, yet not an embodied version of me. And as a child, I'd had experiences with these beautiful energies, these same colors of light as an intuitive child. And they had been shamed and ridiculed out of me. So to come back and actually be embraced by the light that had held me so lovingly as a starved child for love and affection was, it remains and always will remain beyond words. And I felt so enchanted by those lights that I initially did not notice the magnitude of abundance and the vibrations that were dancing all around me. At this point, I start to realize that I am without form, that I am formless, and that I may become one with lights and some lights come into me and share their warmth and their understanding. Now you have to imagine, nothing is being said with words. Everything is said with vibration. Everything is said through the highest vibration, which is that of love. Even when my consciousness, the human, the part that was still struggling with what potentially was happening, would come in with doubt or fear. And there were moments of that in the very beginning. Again, I was comatose, so there's a big shift that occurs at multitudes of time although there's not time over there. That's my human again describing it. There, there is no time. So for me, it was this beautiful ebb and flow of energies. And yet, looking back, I quantify it by time because it was three and a half days. And it felt like eternity when I speak of it. Even now, it feels as if that period of time, for lack of better terms, was longer than when I was actually embodied. And prior to coma, I had been in my human form for 29 years in this incarnation. Now over there, I'm there three days asleep, technically, <laughs> brain dead according to medical science, yet clearly I was not. And I'm held by these angelics, that's how I received them at least, in the beginning. And I'm so just elated to be with them. and those ripples of fear or doubt or connection to the human occasionally would come through and they would 
hold me in that vibration until I was back in a state of complete ease. And it was almost instantaneous. It's not as if you were cradling a child that's upset and it takes a while to calm them down. It was as if the minute their vibration came into my field, we were in a type of quantum entanglement that was healing versus the type that we often experience on earth, which can be painful. And so they held me and as they were doing that, messages were coming in, all sorts of messages about the body, about what happened. And now that I understand from my own experiences how the etheric chakras work, this makes more sense. At the time, it was all experienced as my consciousness receiving all of this. It really was all of that, but there's still a spectrum for my experience of where we're fully connected to spirit in the space and the part that may be anchored back. So I was in a space and I'm feeling this pool between the two and I'm getting all of these messages communicated to me through telepathy. And it was instantaneous as well. I mean, things literally moved at the speed of light. You think something or feel something and boom, it was there. They answered it. You were received, you were loved, you were acknowledged. And for me, at some point in this light language we were communicating with through vibration and frequency, I expressed my care and my concern for the human and the body and the family and all of these things. And it was made known to me, I had a choice from the moment I arrived there to stay or to go. And I'm being welcomed in any way, any shape, any form for as long as I wish to be there. There was no right, there was no wrong, everything was okay. And again, that ineffable love becomes the dominant factor because making decisions on earth has always been so difficult. And my typology is to seek validation and support and know that I'm on the right path as a human. And what they wanted to make very clear to me, and they still do to this day, is that there is no right or wrong. As long as I'm doing it through love and I'm doing it for the highest and best, everything is okay. And so there was just this incredible care in these lights that I had not experienced so intimately. And at the same time, they knew that I needed to connect, experience, feel, be, and be immersed in the divine light, the creator's light, which was really the home or the center of this realm. And so as they supported me, as we were just kind of moving effortlessly through this space, almost like we were each stars or universes of our own because the colors were continually shifting. And when I say color, it is a vast understatement because these hues were, they're unparalleled on earth. I'm a big nature lover. I spend all the time I can outside. And yet, even in the abundance of mother earth, I've rarely seen the intensity of these colors. Things were so pure, so raw, so fresh and enticing. And so these colors supported me as we moved and shifted and came into the epicenter of space. And when you got there, it was almost as if you were brought to your formless knees in awe of this energy, of this being, of this illumination. 
And in that space, I know it now as the creator. And it never introduced itself as anything. It was always love, abundant love. But there was an understanding, an intuitive, resonant, instantaneous understanding. And this is how, for me, communication on the other side worked then and how it continues to work now. It was almost like a gentle lightning bolt coming into the consciousness and just easing everything that was disqualified. And all fear, all shame, all the human stuff, it just evaporated and dissolved instantaneously. More so than even with benign angelics. This was like instantaneous, even more. I don't know how, it's really difficult to put into words, like truly, and I'm a writer, but this experience, I can never articulate the way I wish I could. Just words fail it. And that's likely why they don't use words on the other side, or at least in my experience. And so I'm in this space and I'm finally awed by this beautiful ultraviolet white light. And it's humongous compared to the stars and the angelics and the other celestial beings that were present. To me, nothing had form in this space. Everything was light and vibration and sound. As many times as I repeat that often when I'm interviewed, I get asked that question by persons that have listened. So I like to repeat it just because there is kind of a assumption or projection quite often that there's form over there. And for me, and it varies for everyone, there was not. And so this beautiful, ginormous orb of creator light is calling. And I feel so connected. There was that instantaneous circling back to what I was just saying, this instantaneous awareness that it was not separate from me, nor was I from it. In fact, we'd always been one and the same. And so for me, it was as if I was retrieving something that I had lost during my earthly experience as a child going through trauma. And so this light, in a way, gave me an instantaneous corrective emotional experience where I remembered my divine birthright. I remembered I came here through love, to be love, to serve love. And that light, that magnitude, that illumination, that healing, and that instantaneous power is within me as it's within you. It's within everyone that has come from that light. And so, looking and feeling around me, I began to understand intuitively that we were all part of this divine light and that the angelics and the celestials and the stars, all the different forms of light and light consciousness, as I like to term it, that were communicating with me were part of this creator light. And so in a sense, we are all fractals of this light or fractals of God or fractals of source or spirit, whatever vernacular you choose to quantify and qualify the ineffable. It is beyond words. And in this space, even love feels terribly short of the description of the abundance the juiciness, the yumminess, how tangible being held by something without form can feel and how our feelings are so beyond form. Quite often here, 
our physical body suffers because we're not able to express what we feel and how we want to communicate. There, that's all we were, that's all we are, is this heart-centered light. And we're able to freely express it and have it instantaneously held. And after a human experience, that is so wholesome. It's so forgiving. It's so mesmerizing. And it's life-altering, obviously, when you listen to these accounts. So as I'm receiving this abundant love, some part of my consciousness wants to completely merge with said light, with the creator. And yet some other part does not. And so there's this like push, pull, push, pull. And there was part, and, and this always sticks with me, about how fast I wanted to go into it. And yet how anchored back, almost as if there was some sort of light cording or light pool connecting me still to the human. And I could feel it. I could still feel it in this orb of consciousness that I was. And that made me curious because as much as I wanted to go forward and reunify with the creator, I felt called back. And there was kind of a point, I would not quantify it fear because the vibration was too high, but there was a moment of I would say introspection, but it had a layer that's almost fear-like and a bit of obstruction. So it was more than a curiosity. And I felt really pulled and curious as if I should stay or if I should go. And in that moment, the angelics and the other celestial beings came in and that's where they reiterated, there's no right or wrong. You may stay, you may go, you may stay in the in-between for a while. All are welcome. All are welcome here. It's okay. It's okay. And so with that, I was able to just be in the space and realize that I didn't have to do anything. And for someone newly returning from a human incarnation, that's a revelation because as humans were constantly go, 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 doing, 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 and worried about the reaction and how we're received. That was not the case there. There was no need for it because we're only received in love, through love, by love. And so this trepidation begins to shift into genuine, playful, childlike curiosity. And there was a period where I really just played with my formlessness, played with love, played with this dreamlike, cosmos-like space I was in where I could move at any speed. I could be fast or slow. I could be in complete darkness. I could be amongst the stars. I could be close to the creator light. I could be anywhere. And so I played with that for a while, possibly <laughs> to decide what I wanted to do, possibly to see if I wanted to stay. It's just what I did. Could have been byproduct too of being in the in-between. Yet that's what occurred. And then as I'm doing that, I start to really feel that pull get stronger to the body. And the angelics start giving more messages. And I start asking more questions to the point of, if I go back, what will it be like? And there's no sugarcoating <laughs> in my experience. The angelics were very firm. They let me know that if I went back, I was going to go through more suffering. I was going to go through more trauma. I was going to go through physical ailments again. And yet 
they were all part of why I'd be returning, that I had, and they didn't use this language because again, imagine this, this is all being transmitted through vibration and inner knowing. I'm quantifying again in human words and they just always feel short. But what they were basically letting me know is that I was going to go back to fulfill a soul contract that I had come here for and that there were still parts of it that were karmic and that would not be fun for me. But the lessons existed in this lifetime so that I may master them. And then, and they were very clear about this, in approximately 10 years, something would occur and I would step into my power. And at that time, and this is, for my message, it was really not about any personal grandiose life purpose in any way or mission. It was about coming into this power and alchemizing the trauma and coming out stronger at a time that humanity was going to be going into a ginormous shift. And the way I was shown it was that we were going to go through a period of destruction before a great evolution in consciousness. Now, again, not said that way whatsoever, but that is how the energy was communicated. And I knew that I was part of a group that would be doing this work. Yet I was also warned it would be very lonely prior to that work and that I would go through many dark nights of the soul. Now you can imagine if my consciousness is still somewhat attached to the human because I am in between in a comatose state and I haven't completely severed my soul's tie to the body. Does a complex trauma survivor want to go back to a body that has already been through severe decades of trauma and now medical trauma and then return to go through more? Of course, that little part that was still very much human did not want to do that, not at all. And yet, the soul had been held and healed in so much light that it was really recalibrated and reoriented through the one, as I call the creator. And through the creator's light, I was able to then realize that my soul's evolution, the work that my soul knew it was equipped and had chosen to come here to do, was what I was truly aligned with. And in a way, it was as if the creator and the angelics revved up my batteries a bit and just allowed me to realign with that and remember and have also hope for the future insofar as, yes, it was going to be difficult if I went back, but I would ultimately rise above it. And how exciting to the soul to know that it's returning to be part of a collective experience of profound healing. And so that causes me, my consciousness, to decide it does want to return my higher consciousness. My human consciousness still had trepidation, but the light held me. Once I made my decision and communicated it through my own light, then the light held me to assist me. And after what I deem a beautiful, prolific healing occurred from them, another layer of it, then I asked them quite clearly, how do I get back to the human? How do I get back to the body? And their answer was to look for lights unlike any others. Now I think about this again, because it wasn't communicated in words, but I know that my intuitive feeling state when they said that was lights, plural. Okay. My consciousness starts 
hyper-focusing on one light, assuming I'm going to see one big light like the creator and then boom, back in the body. And yet I end up seeing three lights. One is this horrific yellow piercing, ugh, very earth-like artificial like light. And then these other two are very soft, also jewel tones. This time we have a very bright green. And then we also have a indigo. Indigo is very, very strong. And so, of course, the obnoxious loud light really got my attention at first. But the love pool, the vibration that I had been just immersed in, in the space, is coming from the jewel toned lights as well. They have a very different energetic signature than the celestials, than the angelics, than the stars, and then obviously from the creator. But they're curious to me and they're delicious in their own way. But what's interesting and always when I feel back into the state is I clearly remember they didn't hold me the way that the other lights did. I felt an attraction to holding them. I wouldn't come to understand this attraction for approximately three more years. Yet, unbeknownst to me at that time, those were the auric signatures, the energy signatures of my children as they are now. And that's significant to me because those 10 years that Spirit referenced, my eldest was born three years into my reintegration journey and my youngest was born seven so they covered that like 10 year gap i just had the three years alone that totality ends up really being an anchor point to keeping me on the earth plane because so many persons that have these experiences go through many difficult periods thereafter and i was textbook in that way so my son's appearing to me in this space and holding me then was very much a poetic metaphor for how their energy would serve me later on. I ended up returning and giving my children names, one that's associated to heaven and one that's associated to earth because they very much have been my heaven on earth. They have brought me into balance here and really taught me how to bring the lessons of the cosmos into the body. So their light anchors me into really wanting to go back. And I'm most grateful I did. And I held on to them in that space for a little bit of time just to savor and really be curious about their energy. And so from there, I pivot and ask spirit and the angelics, how oh, the, uh, this isn't taking me back to the body, but I really love this energy. And they're like, you'll know that energy again. You'll know it all again. You'll know this space again. You'll know us. None of this is leaving you should you choose to go. You just go back to embodied form. And so I then did go towards this artificial light. And the, the way it is over there, the minute you make a consciousness-based decision, you are catapulted into it. There's no <laughs> in-between state. It's just instantaneous, everything. And so I look at this bright, horrific light. And next thing I know, I'm back in the body, like catapulted into the body, a very uncomfortable, traumatized body. And there is this horrific, 
bright yellow artificial flashlight, a ginormous one, and they were attempting to check my vital signs because again, I had been declared brain dead and I'd been comatose at that point three and a half days. So they're just looking for movement or rapid eye movement, anything like that. And sure enough, I came into right then. And it was very discombobulating to go from this beautiful, etheric, loving space and then suddenly have artificial light cast into your eyes. But that was my callback to the body. And that was the beginning, the very beginning of my journey with my NDE after effects. So as I returned to my body and in this new form of consciousness is put into the very same body that I left, suddenly I realized very quickly (laughs) that the person I was before the brook that had gone into coma, the brook that had been ill with autoimmunity was gone. And there was a new human, a new way of being and relating and communicating with this world. And my first taste of that came through my eyes. My contacts had been taken out while I was comatose and no one had given me glasses. So when I first opened my eyes, I thought it was some sort of effect from drugs or something of the sort because there was this like layer of stuff that just kept happening. It was moving all over the place and I have astigmatism. So I thought it's the lights in here, something funky's going on or they gave me medication. Well, I had been intubated for the entire three and a half days due to the lung failure. And because of that, I couldn't speak for another three to six days following the intubation coming out. Well, they can't immediately take the intubator out when you haven't been breathing on your own. So that ends up being almost a two week process of not being able to speak. And I had pick lines going into my brain due to the brain trauma and the fact that they had thought it was brain dead. And because of the pick lines, you're actually strapped down to the bed in addition to all the other stuff they've got going on. I had never been given medication because of the extent of liver failure. There was nothing they could give me. I couldn't even take Benadryl to sleep when I first woke up. And so nothing had been drug induced. I quickly start realizing what I'm seeing correlates to how people are feeling or things they're not saying very rapidly. I had family come in And no one really had understood what had happened yet or how it had happened. We hadn't gotten to that medical prognosis and understanding and my own understanding of that. And so they're saying one thing, but they're feeling or thinking something else. And my eyes bypass what their human suit's doing and are seeing all these colors and for lack of better terms, almost, it's really hard to quantify these two, almost like light specks that shoot out, almost like uh, sparklers, like a 4th of July sparkler is a good analogy, what they're just kind of moving all over us as people are experiencing something, such so shooting out and being expressed and given, and it's not in alignment to what they're saying or doing. And as someone that I've been trained as a clinical psychologist, that was very discombobulating to my human. And so it was the beginning of a prolonged journey with understanding what had shifted within my pineal gland and how that was impacting, obviously, the third eye, but also these eyes. 
and they are after effects I continuously deal with. I have extreme photosensitivity to light, which is ironic considering I recall that on the other side too, just that artificial light being horrendous and yet having to go back into it. And then there's the sensitivities to so many other things, whether it can be access to thinking of someone and then you have a remote viewing occur of them, which was very scary to me in the beginning downloads and frequencies of information that come in in conjunction with certain events. To persons like myself, there is no veil between the worlds. And so it's very easy for us to tap in at all times. That sounds fun to some persons, yet to be human, we need boundaries. We need to be able to function. We also need, especially as empaths or highly sensitive persons, which so many experiencers are, we need to be able to protect ourselves and not take in too much, not overwhelm the human. What many people don't understand is that the light comes in at such a volume, it's very, very taxing on the body. And so what I later learn as I'm reintegrating, and it informs the bulk of the work I do now with mystical experiencers, is that you have to give the human vehicle time to calibrate the light and you also have to give it support in quantifying and calibrating the light if you do not do this disease forms and so i had a miraculous spontaneous healing and remission and completely healed from autoimmune disease liver failure i believe i was at 210,000 when they said that i was terminal and brain dead i left the hospital in less than a month when i had a prognosis of six to eight months in less than a month i left with a liver count of 41 which is one point over the optimal range and so i had this miraculous beautiful healing from the angelics and yet when i came back out into the human world and I was learning to use my gifts without any support because at the time, again, I had been a clinical psychologist. I pathologized a lot of what had happened to me. I didn't have a supportive network like many experiencers. So I ended up really struggling with the gifts. It's very easy for the human to compartmentalize even the most abundant love we've ever experienced. And so that led to a very prolific seven to 10 year journey wherein I really had to learn mastery. I really had to transform. I had to go through those dark nights of the soul that spirit had warned me about. I had my children, I left my profession. I went through all the things that are very common for ND years, which were relationship losses, you know, struggles with career, uh, wanting to be here, all of those things. And then ultimately it came to a point where I had to say, these gifts, they weren't just given to me. They are who I now am. And if I choose to be anything less than that light, I suffer and I go into states of darkness and I bring that darkness into the environments I am. Yet if I radiate light, if I embody the love that was really, I was given back in a way, but it was always part of me. So the love I remembered, if I embody that love, then everything I touch becomes that love. It's really that simple. And so I stopped shaming the gifts. I stopped hiding the gifts. I left psychology, clinical psychology, and went into a spiritually oriented practice. And I started just aligning with things that were meant for my vibration. If it wasn't aligned, I didn't force it. If it doesn't flow, I didn't force it. And I have gone through prolific periods of illness during the times that I walked away from that.
So at this point, I don't have a choice insofar as if I want to do the work, I have to keep this vessel healthy to do it. If I want to serve the light, I have to keep this vessel healthy to do it. And making choices that might be aligned more with contemporary culture, but bring me harm are not it. So just as the light held me in love for whatever I do, that is the energy, that's the knowing, that's the being. I do my very best to bring into this world. It is not perfect. I have had a lot of complications from overextending myself during the pandemic and I suffered greatly for it and incurred karma at that time because I overextended my energy body. I took on too much and it was very debilitating and very soul crushing and caused harm. And so I've been in this period where I learned from that too, that even the intention to use the love for the highest and best can backfire. We're constantly as humans having to walk a middle path. But as long as we're walking that middle path in service to love, that is the baseline state. And even after this significant illness that I recently went through and the kind of free fall it caused in my life, in my profession, I feel more connected and more in alignment and more in service to the light than ever before because of that constant commitment, that constant call to come back to center and to come back to service and to use the darkness and the shadow and the pain to help others, to inspire others. And so that's really the crux of my work here and now. Thank you. We are